0: I loved running as a kid because I like that feeling. Like I love the feeling of prancing around. Like I know that sounds so silly, but like in my mind, when you go to the place where you feel the most peaceful and the most you, like I always imagine myself as a little girl, like running through a field. That's like my peace space.
1: Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode six of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Gosh, I've missed you guys. I'm so excited to be back. I feel doubly blessed to have had the chance to sit and talk all things running with Andy and Zach Ripley from the awesome A to Z Running Podcast. We don't title our episodes, but if we did, this surely would be A to Z because we truly covered it from end to end in a fun point-counterpoint style. And thanks to Zoom, we got to hang in each other's living rooms, and they even got to meet Princess Coco. We dialed it all the way back to where they first got started. How Andy was on fire for running as soon as she was upright and enjoyed beating anyone on the playground in races, including the boys, and owned the middle school mile record. How Zach flirted with soccer in high school before coming to his senses and qualified for states and cross country and became a top runner in college and earned major bonus points with me for running steeple. What feeds and fuels their competitive drive? Their experience is running in the last two Olympic trials, Zach in L.A. in 2016 and Andy in Atlanta in 2020. Talk about fast couples goals, Zach 218, Andy 243, insert head-blown emoji here, just wow. We chatted about Andy's build for Chicago, how she ran in rehab through two hip labrum tears, and her unique race strategy that worked so well in the Windy City that helped punch her ticket to this historic race in Atlanta. they are super talented runners, terrific coaches, amazing content creators, and mom and dad of two young, beautiful boys. I hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and learn how they make it all work. Good evening, Andy and Zach. How are you doing? I'm so excited to welcome you guys to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Glad to be here. Hey, this is a, we're finally getting to connect. I was really hoping to run into you both in Atlanta,
2: but we all know yeah. how crazy that was down there, right?
0: Yeah, you know? it was very crazy.
2: It's, I mean, talk about, you know, a kind of a city takeover. It was just like the city became running central for a bit there. It was, it was really something. And how cool was that?
0: Yeah, the crowds were amazing. I mean, all the athletes too, largest field of athletes there's ever been.
2: Yeah. And then just the, the royal treatment for everybody. You know, they, they put them all up in hotels and, uh, you know, they did like the banquets and stuff. So everyone was out and about the town and it's, I don't think it's ever quite been like that before in any Olympic trials event.
1: Yeah. And you, you run the, pro- you ran the previous Olympic trials, right, Zach?
2: Yeah, that's correct. In, in LA.
1: So you ran in LA and you're, you're correct. Cause as far as my information that I researched, it's the first time they went to that level. I think if the athletes have met the A standard, they were doing all of those things for the A standard athletes, but they basically went all out in this, in this in- instance. And Atlanta track club was just unbelievable. They were all over mm-hmm. it.
0: Friendly folk too. They had like someone at every single corner waving and smiling and it was cold too. So props to all of them. That was really great.
1: I think the thing that just blows your mind like you think of the emoji with the head blown guy, because that's probably my favorite emoji because my head blows multiple multiple times in a day. How did they get those bottles straight? How did they possibly get it <laughs> yes. straight? Wait, 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 before I say they got it straight, did you get all your bottles, Andy?
0: <laughs> I, I got the ones that I attempted to grab. <laughs> okay, yeah. I didn't grab them all, but close to it.
1: Unbelievable. Incredible. So yeah. just going, talking about the weekend a little bit. And first off for guests uh, that are going to be listening to the show- Um, Andy and Zach are from A to Z podcast and A to Z running. So Andy and Zach, Andy and Zach Ripley, that's who we're talking to today. You made the connection. Yeah. The Andy
0: and Zach, that's the A to Z.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's the coolest part is ladies are supposed to come first and Andy comes first. (laughs) And guess what? Zach comes last because it's A and Z. It's like the beginning and the end. So there's some pretty cool symmetry going on there. And for anybody who is not Uh, had the opportunity to listen to their pod. It's really an awesome pod. Um, Just started listening to it myself a little while back. It's chock full of all kinds of really great technical information. It's incredibly well thought out. They have terrific guests, and they also do an amazing blog, something that I'd like to do someday, except I can't even keep my website up to date, and I'm embarrassed (laughs) about that, because I think my website hasn't been updated (laughs) in like six months. So we might need to hire somebody for that, Uh, but they do um, such a great job. So if you get a chance, I'll link it up in my show notes, definitely get over, check out some of their pods. They've had some great stuff recently on like what to do in these crazy, Times we're trying to navigate. Um, And we'll get into all of that stuff later in the show. But I definitely want to stay on that Atlanta topic a little bit because I, uh, with Tokyo canceling for me, um, and I was crushed by that because it was a chance for me to get my second six star. And I actually ran all six majors the year prior. So I was going to get a chance to get that. And then I was going to move on and just focus on some new goals, maybe doing seven continents or, you know, just really trying to focus on doing another sub three as an older master's runner. Um, You're something. saying
0: that also casually. No. It's, like it's, these it's, are humongous it's not, things. It's not
1: casual. No. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's like, it, oh, I'm going to do this no, and this. You're well, impressive, Ron. No, You're very
1: impressive. This is not about me. It's about you two. It's about, <laughs> it's about you two. I'm just saying like, you know, the the shock that I think a lot of runners are facing now. And if you think about it. The trials were the last epic, huge thing to go down. And I mean, what a great last epic, huge thing to go down. I mean, the Olympic trials with the most incredibly stellar field, the most competitive stack field you could ever imagine, everybody out there rolling. And for anybody who wasn't down there, if you ever get a chance to go to Olympic trials, I will put it up there over going to the Olympics. I've been to Winter Olympics. I've not been to the Summer Olympics. I don't think I've ever been to anything that I was more excited about because- The chance to fanboy or fangirl, uh, depending on your preference or what athletes get you more excited, to be able to walk around those hotels and be in the lobbies and, you know, the athlete technical meetings are going on and people are just rolling through. And it was just an energy level, like seismic earthquake level energy shift of proportions that are almost hard to put into words. And I wasn't running, but you were, Andy. (laughs) So tell Mm -hmm. me, what did that feel like?
0: Yeah, at first it was kind of overwhelming like I felt <laughs> I was in like a different world <laughs> But it was it was so motivating. I mean, every step of my run was difficult. Like from the very beginning, I had issues. So I really think the crowd helped me get through the race. They were incredible. And we have our names in the bibs. So people were saying, Ripley, believe it. <laughs> oh, yes, I love
1: it. Yeah, they that's... didn't say
0: the or not part, which I was grateful for, because, you know, they kept it positive.
1: What, which you, which you got to love. Um, but I mean, even before the race itself, just, just walking around yes. the hotels and going to the technical meetings. I mean, just the simplest thing. Like I always like to talk and make things really visual for people that might be listening because you have the men, you know, trying to hit their standard, which is sub 220 or 219 help me out. 219. 219. Yep. How do I not know that after Peter's <laughs> Bromka story? It's, of course, he was yeah. 219.02 at CIM. Um, so 219, and the ladies are having to go sub 245, right? Yes, um, So to think about anybody that might be listening to the show, that's that's a pretty broad range because there's there's men out there that could be running 230 232 that might seem oh there's no way they can make it there of course they can and Zach can tell you they can it just depends where are they in their journey and there are women out there that might be running 305 or 310 that it's not out of their you know potential that it's possible mm-hmm. depending on their running history and how they're training and and you know what sort of build is in front of them so to me I like to give some details on that because he put that credential on and you're walking around the hotel lobby and there's this just energy and juice. Like I just if I could put that into words or you could Andy or even you could Zach because we're all there, like that for me, that'd be on the refrigerator, man. I want to like put that freeze frame that into my brain and say, I will do whatever it takes. I'm going to make the trials and this is how I'm going to get there and I'm going to start my plan. Because you know that's I don't I think I'm not sure that it's captured well enough, and we all know the recordings of the race. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the whole NBC coverage and who's on the mic, because honestly, it's it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, they just don't do a great job. They really don't. Um, they're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff while the race is unfolding, and and we understand it's a, it's a paid game and it costs a lot of money to put these put these productions on. But the way that course was set up. The loop structure, I mean, my God, they could have done so many different things. And, you know, I mean, I almost wish I would have gone down there and set some stuff up myself because you kept coming by, you know, and you could have been there saying, you know, here comes Andy, you know, here comes Zach, here comes Dez. And, you know, you could have been doing a live Facebook or any other sort of stuff. And like you said, the energy, you know, leading up to the race was one thing, but race day? I mean, that was crazy. I mean, what was it like race morning? Going out there. I mean, obviously it was a much later start, right? So most of our races yeah. are super early in the morning. Um, what was it 12 o'clock start or close to
0: twelve? Or? Yeah, cl- just after twelve, yeah. Oh, a little after Which twelve. Which is unusual, right? Yeah, super unusual. And especially as a mom that gets up really early with little kids. <laughs> I was like twid- like I wasn't twiddling my thumbs in the way of like boredom. I was like, you know. Kind of spazzing because I was excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, my whole body's moving. Um, and outside of the window, they had events all morning. They had high school events and children's events. So the energy outside, I could hear them outside of my hotel when I'm like trying to relax <laughs> and yeah, yeah. think about my race and everything. <laughs> yeah. And I kept hearing the cheering, and I'd get super excited again.
1: Yeah, you're trying. You're trying to chill, and meanwhile, it's literally right. not possible. You know, uh-huh. you, you would have had to take like five Dramon, you know, I don't even know what kind of medication you need. <laughs> you know, it's what's the hour, aller- the allergy ones are the ones that knock you out. Like Benadryl, take like five oh, yeah, Benadryls right. and then the race gun will be going off and they'll be like, Oh, what happened to Andy?
0: Oh, well, Oh, well,
1: I guess she's not she's racing. So yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So that, that was really cool. But it also was like, I don't know, waiting until noon to run was like waiting for Christmas morning. Like as a kid, that's how it felt like for me anyway. And my kids actually did do the children's event the day, like the morning of the race. And I went out there and cheered them on.
1: Now that is super cool. Cause I'm pretty sure you put that up on Instagram stories and you did a follow-up piece on like, when did you first start running and some other things that I thought were really, really cool. Um, uh, but so that's their first race, right? Yeah. I mean, their <laughs> first one. Yep. I mean, does it get any more memorable? The Olympic trials, first race. Now, did did you have family traveling in with you guys to go down, or was you just down there on your own? Yeah.
0: So my parents did. My mom and my dad, and then I my sister, she flew down to Atlanta. We drove with my mom and dad.
1: Okay. Yeah, we We, drove from Michigan Michigan. over 12
0: hours (laughs) in the car. Okay.
1: And so the (laughs) movies were rolling.
0: You uh-huh. know, oh, I, yeah.
1: I hope we had like Toy Story and some other animated movies going on. <laughs>
0: I, I think they actually might have watched Toy Story. <laughs> well, already.
1: Toy
2: Story is a staple.
1: They're, oh, of course. It's, just, it's a Story.
0: favorite. Yeah, you know,
1: Toy Story, Nemo, Monsters, Inc. I mean, of course, these were, this is what we watched when my son was that age and he's now graduating yeah. college, but you know, I'm the sure classics. they still, they they yep. still roll. They still mm-hmm. roll.
0: Yeah, oh yeah.
1: Good. So you had, so you had some family there, which is like amazing. And, uh, the crowds were like completely crazy. I mean, the energy was just, just like wild. And you know, the, the style of the course, the course was an absolute beast. I mean, it was it was, it was beast mode. Um, I ran around, um, Saturday and Sunday. I had some friends who had flown in, you know, to watch the race like I did, but they also were doing the half and some were actually doing the full the weekend after. And, I was just bored and I was like, okay, I guess I have to run. Um, I'm not checked out yet. I guess I'll go do a run. And I mean, it was embarrassing how slowly I was running up some of those hills. And I was just like, whoa, this course is serious hardcore. And I run in Central Park all the time. And New York City is my favorite marathon course. So I like hilly courses um, as a rule. But I heard from all my friends who qualified who ran You know, and then of course, let's not leave the wind out because the wind was not anyone's friend on race day. Difficult, difficult, right?
0: It was very, very difficult. And I have some issues that I had leading into the race and everything that just, I, I did my best to put one foot in front of the other, you know, and every hill, I just took it one step at a time because I couldn't think about the fact that I had to do, do it over and over again.
1: So let's, let's talk about that. Um. So training two and three-year-old boys, yes. their names, or are we not allowed to say their names? It's, we can say their names. Okay. Miles and DJ. Miles and DJ. Love it. So we have two future runners. I mean, their mom and dad are Olympic trials runners. So, you know, they're they're going to be big time runners. Um, <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> now, were you two obviously played sports of some sort and probably have some running background? What was your background, both of you, growing up as kids?
2: Well- Andy's been running since before she could talk basically whoa <laughs> she's got one speed all her childhood and, and well up through present day I guess um, so she just she's she's always been going but um I you know I started running like middle school ish kind of when most people do and then usually um, quit and so I did exactly that. I quit when I realized that running is not nearly as much fun as playing like soccer or something else okay so.
0: It is now, you know, though.
2: Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking facetiously. And his immaturity...
0: Um, he. Yeah, I mean,
2: but you know what What 12-year-old kid wants to just run for half an hour when you could kick a soccer ball around or Me. dribble a basketball? Me. Um, I love so it. So I did. <laughs> Point, I did counterpoint. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did quit running um, a little bit in high school and then came back to it when I realized I was just no good at those other sports. And <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't well, going to be making any teams. I guarantee you that's not true. You were probably good. Well, so I made the varsity soccer team. This was kind of an odd story. I made the varsity soccer team as a junior in high school, and um, I, I had a conversation with the coach where it was basically I just kind of asked him. I was like, "Do do you see me being an important role in this team?" Because um, we just we had a solid team, a lot of skilled players, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, we always need people who can help out in a in a clinch," and I was like. I I just don't know if I want to. So the reason why I left the team, even though I might have had a varsity spot was because at the time I had been talking with a cross country coach and for like six months, he's just trying to convince me to run cross country. And he was a teacher that I I respected, you know, I, I appreciated him. Um, but then I also had a ton of friends who, whatever else they had been doing, they all just kind of quit all that other stuff and did cross country at all at the same time, that junior year of high school. So I was like, okay, I'll do cross country because more of my friends are doing it. I'll probably have more fun because I'm not really going to play. You know, this soccer team was way better than I was. Um, and and it turned out to be, so by the end of that season, I had qualified for the state championships in cross country, never having had any previous success running. So it was something that I just hadn't, I hadn't pursued at all and didn't realize there was actually more potential there. And I should say my, my deepest consistent motivation over the years with why I enjoy running has always been the competition. I, I've, I love competing and I especially like to compete when I have a chance of trying to win. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to say I would quit a race if I didn't think I could win it, but um, it changes something. You know, when I feel like I have a chance to win, it changes the experience for me. So um when I found out that I could do that a bit in running, it became quite a bit more of a serious thing for me too. So where do you think the competitive nature comes from? Well, that's a great question. I don't know for sure. Um, I have a brother and we've always been really competitive. Um, I have two older sisters who kind of, you know, beat up on me a little bit when I was a kid. And so, <laughs> they're great people. <laughs> they're great people. Um, they, have, neither, they have an alliance.
1: People. They have an alliance against Zach. It's Andy, Whoa. the
2: sisters, and it's it's pile on, pile on Zach. Right, right. <laughs> um, no, but actually, though, I I can't know. I can't say that I can pinpoint Ron the origin of my competitiveness. Um, it certainly isn't necessarily something that, you know my. My family members have done sports in different capacities at different times, but no one's really pursued anything seriously. Um, so I, I, I don't know for sure, but I know that it's it certainly is a driving factor.
1: Yeah, I'm always fascinated by that. Um, just somewhere along the way, whether it's a sibling or maybe it's a, a coach or somebody that stoked a certain fire in an athlete when they were really young or sometimes much older um, when they come to a sport late and something just happens and it connects. And you know, my mom wasn't an athlete at all, but you know, that's where my ambition and drive and just, you know, just always wanting to impress her. And, you know, just uh three boys, man, three feisty boys a year and a half apart, and one little tiny little Irish woman in the middle of it all, and all of us yelling and throwing our hands around, like, hey, look at me, listen to me. Like, that's yeah. why I talk loud. Like, hey, pay attention over here. I'm talking. And I'm the classic middle child too. So yeah, you got that going for you. So soccer, tons of athletes, you know, came from there, but Andy, you started as a runner early on. And I just have to say that I, that makes me happy because you hear so many stories of runners that did start really early. that just lose their love for it and they get burnt out and they kind of drift away. And You know, that's kind of sad. Like, I think running is something we can do forever. And especially never more in a time in our lives right now do we need running more because we don't need a race to run. We will never need a race to run. Okay. You don't need anything other than a pair of sneakers. I don't care. Well, you need some clothes, but um, (laughs) other than that, you're good to go. So, talk to me about your early start and was it grade school? Were you like the kid who was sprinting across the schoolyard, just wanting to win every dash across the yard, or was it like hide and seek? Or like, where did it come from?
2: Grade school mile record. Oh, right?
0: who is keeping track of that? I don't. You know. are.
2: You're the one I, who told no, me. <laughs>
0: no, I had the middle school. I had the middle school mile record. No, I loved running as a kid because I like that feeling. Like I love the feeling of prancing around like I know that sounds so silly but like in my mind when you go to the place where you feel the most peaceful and the most you like I always imagine myself as a little girl like running through a field if that, that makes any sense at all that's like my, my peace space that's not and, silly
1: at all I don't not I don't <laughs> find it silly
0: yeah so that's that's my my peace space and I loved you know doing the mile every year in grade school, and I always tried to be the fastest. I wasn't always the fastest. And in well, middle school, well, I wasn't. I wasn't. There's was boys who beat me. And then in middle school. There were school, boys
2: who beat her. But in middle, middle school,
0: girls. it was a rude awakening because then the boys got faster. Well, freshman year, the boys got faster than me. And I I never really needed the, the winning, the competitive aspect, I don't think, to love running because my high school was very competitive, like, my my team was really good. They were state champions for five years in a row in cross country. And so I was always kind of like, you know, on varsity, but like number five, you know. <laughs> so when I went into college, I had more expectation, more pressure, and that was actually hard for me to deal with the pressure. You know, scholarship and all of those things. So that made things more difficult for me, even though I love to run and I I have always loved to run. It was harder for me to perform in college. And I went to like a small NAIA school. So the, the thought of like going to the Olympic trials someday was not in my head at all. But I do think me coming from a background of like having fiercely competitive people around me all the time ended up helping in my long term success because I was not really afraid of people passing me. I wasn't really afraid of beating people either. Uh, Well, there was a period of time I was afraid of beating people. But overall, um, I think that helped me because... The times that I was All-American in college were when I was not ranked <laughs> very high. And I just like would... It was the 1,000-meter run in indoor track. And both times I was fourth place um, in the 1,000. And I just like took it out like early. So like I knew that I didn't have the leg speed, but I wasn't like afraid of being silly. I was like, this is just what I need to do to, do to, to accomplish something. So anyway... That was kind of a long way of sharing my story about running. But altogether, I always love for the run, for the joy in it. And I love that feeling of being powerful. and it just, yeah, brings a smile to my face, which sometimes is seen in running photos
2: well, you gotta you you gotta picture this a moment, Ron. Um, so we had we had Dave Hodgkinson on our podcast a while back, which was one of Andy's coaches in high school for a bit. Um, And he's had, he's had massive success coaching at a lot of different levels, but, um, you know, so he, t- he kind of talks about like when he watches a runner in a race or even just before a race, a lot of times he can tell you whether that runner is going to be successful in the event, just based on how they look while they're engaging with it. And so now think back to Andy mentioned the national indoor national championships, when she was running the like middle distance races and her, her serenity picture of the little girl prancing in the field. So before the race, if Andy looked like a little girl prancing in a field while she was doing her drills and ups and those kinds of things. Then you knew she was gonna have a good race. And she would go out and run. And and then when the race hit, she wasn't running like someone prancing in a field. But if she had that aura, and you could tell if she looked that before the race, then it was gonna be a good race. So that was that was her tell. That was it? Or yeah. or the tell for her coach. Now you you well, talk. I don't know that her coach actually Noticed that. That was kind of always the interesting thing about it. That, oh, okay. You know, it it like it was more a retrospect thing, you know, as she started to become more aware of the sensation, then it was like, oh yeah, it's and that's why that happened. And what about your competitive streak, Andy?
0: It it ebbs and flows. So I don't know if I am fiercely competitive. I'll be quite honest. I am driven, I'm determined. <laughs> I can be stubborn, but I don't get freaked out if I don't place where I think I should because I can't control other people. And that's kind of what I've learned over the years is that if someone else is killing it, that doesn't mean I'm doing poorly. So if it comes down to a kick, sure, I turn it on and there's instinct there and I get after it, but I don't. I don't really get down on myself if somebody else kicks butt.
2: Do I have to agree with her or can I disagree with her about herself? Oh, Oh, we, I like point (laughs) counterpoint go Zach. Well, so, um, you know, in, in reality, it's all about what the expectation is ahead of time. Um, so if Andy believes that she's supposed to win a race and she's supposed to, then that's a different experience. If Andy is, has a different mindset going into the race than what she just articulated. You know, and this, this is true for all of us, Ron. Um, You know, we try to meet our expectations. And if we, if we have placed a kind of expectation on ourselves where we can be successful, even if the day isn't perfect. And if it isn't glorious, then uh, we kind of free ourselves from whatever, whatever might discourage us in the event. And I'm, constantly, uh, guilty of tying myself to something that is rigid and, um, that doesn't necessarily leave room for, you know, potentially if it's not the greatest day and such. Um, so then I can discourage myself quite easily because of that, where Andy will more likely and more easily not, not ground herself to like, I have to beat certain people or I have to place in a certain spot. Uh, but then at times she'll do that still. And, you know it and, and the fiercely competitive thing does actually appear and it's not always a good thing so she's she kind of learns from that experience too so I don't, I don't I'm not disagreeing with you Andy I'm just I'm saying you do have the competitive edge but you don't always allow yourself to gauge success by that competitive edge mm. deep <laughs> no, that I like that um well I mean we're all wired so
1: differently um not just men and women, but just our attitudes about running, about racing. Uh, I think you laid it out beautifully, Zach. I mean, we go into a race and we have these very clearly defined. If I don't make the Olympic trials, if I don't qualify for Boston and run a BQ minus eight minutes, or if I don't come top three in my age group, you know, like that. Running has to mean more than that. It has to. It has to mean more than that. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that are tying themselves and their whole lives to their racing times, their racing results, and you're not going to live a fulfilled life if that's how you're measuring yourself. And also in this beautiful world of Instagram, where people have these perfect posts and perfect photos and perfect lighting and you know, and they've got somebody following them around the trail. Um, yeah, everything always looks great. But guess what? Their lives aren't great either. Okay, they've got drama, and they've got all kinds of crap they're juggling, and so they're presenting an image. And you know, maybe they want to keep their sponsors happy. Who knows? I think it's one of the reasons why I love Elite so much because. <laughs> I think that they show you everything. They take you behind the curtain, man. When they, when they bomb a workout, they put it out there. When they have a race where they don't perform or someone struggles, they share that. And I think it's, it's, really, uh, it's wonderful to be uh, transparent and really just let somebody know what's going on. Because there is that tendency to just always wanna have that positive viewpoint and just not say what you're feeling. And a lot of people were approaching me after Tokyo canceled because they knew it was a big race for me and you know what it would mean to me. And it wasn't just about earning a second six star. I was gonna travel there for 10 days and see temples and villages that I hadn't seen since I was in my late 20s. And that's 30 years ago. I mean, it's it was a big experiential trip. Sure, I was going over there to, to become, I think there's only 13 people that have two six stars. So that's kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not, at the end of the day, the virus, we didn't even really understand what it was at that point. I mean, sure, in China, they weren't releasing very much information at all. So it wasn't really readily available. And Tokyo, just out of nowhere, just says the elites can run, but no one else can run, which you know that's a way to piss off every runner on the planet. Instantly, it's like, oh, wait, uh, they're not going to get sick, but I'll get sick. And (laughs) of course, that's not how it breaks down, but that's how runners tend to process stuff. Like, wow, you took this away from me. And I just really wanted to communicate to people like hey right now the only thing in the world you should be focusing on is running for your own mental health running to keep yourself sane and grounded and these are these are crazy times i mean people are getting laid off at record amounts and people are businesses are closing i mean restaurants are closing Healthcare workers, I work, I service the healthcare technology sector, and I feel for the people that I know, my colleagues that work in the hospitals directly. I mean, they're overworked beyond belief. They don't have enough personal protective equipment. And I personally have been trying to send masks and food to my friends anywhere I can just because they're overworked and they're exhausted. And yet people are like, oh, my race is canceled. Okay, at some point, get a grip. Yes, it's canceled. Yes, you trained hard. Yes, you worked really hard. But now we gotta focus on something else, which was great. Your last episode that you had was all about what? Long term Yeah, was long-term it? vision. Long term vision, which by the way is a great pod. So Thanks. it's another link to the show. You guys gotta watch that or not watch, <laughs> listen to that last episode because there's all kinds of great practical advice. Because yes, it's okay to be pissed off. And you can even be miserable and brood for a couple of days and grouchy and grumpy. I have no one to be grouchy and grumpy with my dog right now. My son's away at college. So nobody really cares what I have to say. You know, I could just walk around here and rant, but you got to get out there and you got to run. That's it. And at some point, you got some really practical advice in that episode about what people can do. So you don't, it doesn't even have to be about running. Focus on your strength. Are you weak? Are you having core instabilities? You know, we were kicking around before the show came on and talking about the MOBO board, which is amazing, an incredible tool. Foam rollers are like, if people would actually use a foam roller the way they're supposed to be used, the injury incidence would be so much lower. People would be able to run more miles and be healthy if they changed their shoes more and ran on trails more and just mixed it up instead of, you know, doing some of the things that runners tend to do. So anyway, I love that episode. There's a lot of good practical stuff in there. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll
2: make sure we link that up for you. Yeah. it's a to z running.com slash episode 26.
1: (laughs) Episode 26.
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys are way ahead of me. This is like episode six.
1: I mean, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm a newbie over here. So No, no, yeah, we're just, we're just getting going. So, um, Andy, can we talk about the actual race itself? Um, Absolutely, all the great I can stuff. Of it. All the yeah, I mean, it's not that. How long ago is it? It's not that long ago. That's what's. Oh, crazy I mean, about I just
0: like you know how races are sometimes when you're like in the in the middle of a race and you're like you're in another dimension. Yes. That's kind of what I mean by that. Like yes. if I can remember different points of the race and chronologically how it came about. But.
1: Well, first first let's go back cuz you I know you said you had some challenges in your build up. So a couple of things, you know, before we actually talk race and take us out on the course cuz man, I want to know. You were out there. I was not out there. I was watching and I got a zillion pictures and I was fanboying big time and fangirling. and but um I want to know like leading up, what was your training block like? Where did you qualify? And just take us through that whole, that whole piece.
0: Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, like I wasn't an NCAA athlete. I was not registered as an elite at many races. I didn't really know that that's where I belonged. And so all of this came as a little bit of a surprise to me, really. And I ran my first marathon at Bayshore in Traverse City after my first son was born. He's almost four now. And I ran 255. I had done most of my running with my jogger. I did 20 mile runs with my jogger. Oh, I love it. Two of them.
1: I love it. Yeah. That's (laughs) great. And so
0: my training wasn't for speed. You know, it was to run the marathon because it had always been my goal to complete a marathon. I didn't know if I'd ever do another one. I just knew I wanted to do one. So I I did the 255. And so Zach's like, hey, if you trained, like <laughs> trained to run fast and, you know, maybe didn't just have a baby. I wonder what you could do.
2: I'll coach so, you. Yeah, Zach's <laughs> like I'll coach you. Uh, yeah. I wasn't necessarily wanting to volunteer that yet.
0: <laughs> no, he actually resisted. Oh, he that's resisted. Funny.
2: That's funny. Yeah, I love it.
0: He knows me too well. <laughs> so, um, uh, immediately after that race, I got pregnant again for the second one. Oh wow! So yeah, so that put uh, some of those goals on hold. I had I had tricky pregnancies and didn't. I only ran half. Of, half of the pregnancy, I wasn't able to run the whole pregnancy. And that's pretty typical. I think a lot of women have troubles with that. I had a dream of having fit pregnancies because I'm like, it's a will thing. It's if you want it enough. But medically, you know, sometimes the babies calling the shots and my, my body is growing a baby. So that has to take priority. So I, yeah, had pregnancy with DJ and then um, I started running again. Thankfully, was able to get back to it pretty pretty well after having DJ and six months after having him, I think it was six months, I ran Cherry Festival and I ran a 10K. It was my PR and I was like, okay, so we're back on track. We can like start going for these goals.
2: What did you, what Uh, did you run? I don't know. Do you know what I ran? Yeah. It was like 3720
1: right around there. She's rocking six, six flat pace. She's starting starting to become a beast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I, I had only been training for uh, eight weeks or that, something that, like that. Yeah,
1: I mean after um, after just having after just having your second baby.
0: So I was like thrilled with that. That was
1: you should you should have been thrilled with that. <laughs> there's good reason to be thrilled. Can I can I just ask if you're willing to talk about? It, you don't have to be. What did you struggle with in your pregnancies? Because a lot of I've had a lot of moms on the show, and you know I ran for preeclampsia uh, in the London Marathon, and there's just oh, wow. so many different things that. Can happen, blood pressure, position of the baby. Just, and if you don't want to, don't have to say a word about it because some mom out there may have gone through it and maybe getting back to running and hear your story and be like, wow, she did that. That's so cool. So it's up to you.
0: No, I would love to share. So I was getting, well, I was sick, really, really, really sick, which most people are, but I was sick the entire pregnancy for both. I started getting brax and hicks, um, pretty significant ones around 20 weeks. Oh wow! For both children, and following that, I got a condition called coleostasis, which my liver was poisoning. Essentially, my placenta, which in turn um, can cause fetal demise. It can the baby can die. So um, that brought on a whole lot of symptoms uh, that were pretty horrible.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Pretty horrible, but this I think the anxiety and the Braxton Hicks like kind of went hand in hand and I didn't feel comfortable running when I was having those Braxton Hicks cuz it felt like preterm labor, which is one of the one of the things that happens with this condition. So, yeah. Ended up having to be induced with both of them and get those babies out of there so that <laughs> my, yeah, they survive, they, they thrive better, better outside of me than inside of me.
1: Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, because my gosh, I mean, what women go through, it's amazing. The labor and the length of time. And, you know, sure, sometimes you hear these amazing stories where it all just goes perfectly and smoothly. But I know that wasn't an experience with Um, my ex and I, I mean, she was through an incredibly long labor and incredibly painful and difficult labor. Um, And I have other friends that had issues with blood pressure and eclampsia and just all kinds of other things. So yeah, it's, um, it's never easy. Uh, And then, you know, trying to regain your body and get your body back. It's mind boggling to me that you ran that fast to 10 K just that many weeks after. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think it was like God's little gift to me <laughs> all after all the suffering. He's like, OK, here, here's running. Uh, here's, here's some good things happening now. So it did help me function to, you know, with the lack of sleep and everything. It was kind of my outlet. My like I said, it's my my peace space where I feel most free and
1: running in the time. F- running in the field.
0: Running in the theater. That
1: imagery. But you know what? That's not something to make fun of. It's a, it's a good thing. You have to have a place. Um, you have to be able to imagine that. And, you know, whether your vision of somebody who's tough or gritty or I'm strong, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a huge Goggins fan and a lot of people can't get past the language and I can because I can use that language with the best of them. But I just, it just, I've learned so much about myself and just how strong you can be mentally. You know, try to run six majors in a year. At, you know, 58, it's all that mileage. And I don't just mean the mileage running. It's just on the body and the flying and the planes and time zones. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and I'm, you know, i managing a business. People all think I'm retired. I'm not retired. I got to work. I got to pay for my son's college and all this great running travel adventure. So I'm working. It's just, they're like, well, every time I see you, you're running like 20 miles in central park in the middle of the day. I'm like, well, I'm really good at managing my schedule. So these are, these are <laughs> goals for life, you know, like figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's the greatest gift that we've all been given. And particularly at a time like this, um, you know, for you to come out of that second pregnancy, I think um, a lot of the women that I have on the show, it's been like 50 50. I used to run, win the stroller with my son all the time because he was pretty young when we got separated and then ultimately got divorced after that. And I was not going to give up one single moment of my time when I had to spend with him on the weekends and once i realized that he was literally his feet were just you know literally like going up in the air and his toes are curling and laughing out loud belly laughs like i can still remember that like it's yesterday i mean i can be back in central park and i can feel the the foam black grip with the handbrake <laughs> and i could see his sippy cup bottles behind there and the towels and i can see it all just like it happened right in my mind and it's incredible how power, powerful like visualization like that is. And we would run 12 mile loops and you know, I could probably run those at like seven minute pace back then pushing him around and he was heavy. Wow. He was nice. heavy, but you know, it's, so it's strength. It's incredible how strong you get doing that. And you see some of the times these people are running with strollers, it's mind boggling. It's just, yeah. it's absolutely, I think uh, Cam, what's his name? Just ran some psycho 10K time. Um, oh yeah. I forgot it. I'm forgetting his last name, but I follow him on Instagram. Um, he's a really good guy. I also met him in Houston. We were talking about Naz Elite earlier when I met Scott Fable and Ben. Uh, they were doing a book signing for Inside a Marathon, which is a great read, by the way, for anybody who needs a good marathon book. Yeah. Hook it up. There you go. You know, go from there. So take us through. So now you're back, you're getting into training. And, you know, how does it look from there after your 10K? Like, take us through and where did you actually qualify and all that?
0: hmm. So after I ran that 10K, I had a hip labrum tear that fall. Yikes! And yeah. Sad.
1: That's painful.
0: It was sad. I was I was really looking forward to seeing what I could do in a a few different distances because I felt it kind of opened my mind to being able to run faster. And yeah, the hip labrum tear held me up for a little bit. And then I started getting back into it, was rehabbing that hip. Felt great again. And then my other hip, I ended up getting a hip labrum tear in the other one. Yikes. So that was spring. That was So it was fall and spring that I had hip labrum tears. Okay. And uh wanted to rehab because I was like, this is, I, I really did think this is my shot to try for the Olympic trials. If I'm ever going to try, I like want to do it now. So instead of getting the surgeries, I have opted to do physical therapy and um, Adam Malka it was my physical therapist, and he helped me rehab both the hips.
1: We'll, we'll link him up for sure in the show notes. <laughs> we'll give Adam some love. So that's yeah. great. So you, so you did. So you rehab both sides. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, I love it.
0: And I, my training was a lot lighter than a lot of people because I kind of knew my limitations. There was a certain point where I couldn't go mileage wise. So I think I ran for Chicago. 65 was my highest. So it's a lot lower than most people. And my training, you're, you should talk about my training, Zach, because you're the one who wrote it.
2: <laughs> well, so I, I eventually caved and started actually writing training for her. Um, you and, cracked. And it, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, relationships, it doesn't matter what the kind of relationship is, relationships can, can often be, uh, you know, strained by significant changes in the, I don't know what the right word is because not power dynamics, but, you know, the way you interact. And so, like in our relationship, I was not her coach and she was not my athlete, but for me to prepare training for her to a degree, I was not willing to do that if I couldn't assume some of a coach role and she would be willing to assume some of an athlete role. And that's not always the healthiest marriage dynamic. So... Um, it, it was It was a challenge, just trying to figure out what does that look like for us to relate in that way. But also in in those early stages when she had the first labrum tear and then tried to start getting back into things for the second before the second labrum tear, um, we were learning some lessons really quickly, Ron, with what because so this is the interesting thing. Andy's been running since she's like eight years old. Um, but in most ways, she's never really pushed limits in training. At all in most respects. So um, like high school, she had some wise coaches who said, you know, high school runners shouldn't just go out and run as far as they can, as long as they can, you know, with moderation is good in high school. And then she had a college coach who didn't really emphasize high degrees of training volume wasn't super high, just a lot of intensity and, um, you know, pretty standard kind of college experience but um, never really pushed some of those upper end limits. And then after college, for the decade following college, she spent most of her time just kind of training um, with what she was familiar doing. So it was very similar to what she'd been doing those those years. Um, so at one, at one point we said, you know, if you're going to do a marathon, you probably need to find out where some of these upper limits are, um, but we needed to work into it gradually. And that first hip, hip labrum tear happened after probably working into it too quickly. Um, building up right away, and at the and time, week
0: sauce too. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> sweet core. At the time, weak, she was just kind of
2: doing. I was, I was saying, you know, she would ask me like, "How far should I run for this week?" and "What kinds of workouts should I do?" and I would give her some ideas and such. Um, but it wasn't a very clear and coherent plan. And you, Ron, you've heard us talk about on our podcast, or you've heard it or seen it in our articles. I'm, I'm a very big advocate for. Um, a, a precise plan for a well-developed and, and, and understood plan. Um, and Andy wasn't really doing that at the time. And I think that was part of, to her detriment. Because I
0: run free through the fields. <laughs> With I'll no just, plan and no I'll, care in the world.
2: I'll just keep going. Just <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, some days, yeah, some days. So uh, we sat down and, and it was basically, you know, this, this is not going well for her body. Um so we needed to look at the training and find out what wasn't going well for her body what was she doing that she hadn't been doing before um how could we still train for a marathon um and i was still i was still talking to her like you know 245 is not out of reach. It's just not with everything else that she was doing that I could see. Um, but we couldn't train for 2:45 like someone who can do whatever they want without getting hurt. So um, we we got a little bit creative and designed. I mean, you think about it in terms of marathon training. The most important thing is can you run the distance? at that pace you know can can you run for that long at that pace and we were not able to test that truly in training because it was too much of a risk so we had to separate the two completely and she had to do long stuff really slow or not necessarily really slow but easy and she had to do most of her her quality work at shorter distances and shorter periods of time and so we found a way to kind of balance it out a little bit better um but Andy was struggling with like, I don't understand what this training is. And I don't understand how you can think she's talking to me, how you can think that this training is telling us that I can run 245 in the marathon. And so trust was a big deal. Like trusting the training was difficult for her.
0: Well, it's mainly because I didn't believe in myself. So I like see these times that, you know, my steady state times were slower than my marathon goal pace. Like, what's up with that? You know, like, I wanted to believe it. I wanted to see it. Like, I wanted to do it, attest it, to know that I was going to be able to do it on race day. Um, but before the Chicago Marathon, I ran a 5K PR.
2: And a half but, marathon
0: PR. And a half, well, that was not indicative, but the 5K PR, I was pretty excited about because I, had I hadn't this. I had done any speed work. Like, I'd only done steady states, and I had hadn't even done a tempo. So it was really my first tempo run. And, um, I was, I mean, it's not fast compared to other girls that have the same times as me, but I ran 1725 and my previous best time was 1735. And I mean, I felt great to the very end and I'm like, I could keep going forever, you know, but that's not true. I, I, am sure I couldn't keep going forever, but I felt fantastic. Um, and I didn't feel like a 5k. It felt like a tempo. So, uh, that gave me some confidence going into uh, Chicago and yeah that day I didn't have my watch Chicago I didn't have my watch I love it I went out there and I kind of guessed what group I should be in and after a while I'm like hey so are we hitting the pace or like yeah we're hitting six tens
2: they were like way and under I'm like, pace crap, I'm in the
0: wrong group <laughs> Too I'm, in, fast. I'm in the wrong group
2: <laughs> oops <Yep>. oops <laughs>
0: But what that did for me is it put me, like, it gave me some buffer time. Yeah. Which was really good because I needed it because I ended up having some some pain. I, every marathon you yeah, have pain, right? Um, I had some quad stuff. So I had to, like, think about pulling up my knee. Um, and that was, that was difficult. But uh, I did slow down. <laughs> but I did know in the back of my head, I'm like, if I just keep moving, if I just keep going, I think I'm going to qualify still. And That's what happened. I think so I qualified in Chicago. There's there's so much to unpack
1: there. So part of it, I think, what's super cool about it is, um, like cars all have a governor on them, right? So it's going to limit, you know, maximum acceleration or velocity a car can get to. And I think we limit so much of our own selves of what we can do because. And you you couldn't have nailed it any better. We want proof. We need some sort of empirical proof as we're going through a training cycle. It doesn't have to be a race, but it better be some really important workout like three times five K in a long run or some other, whatever your methodology you are employing. I don't care whose system you're using and what it's based on. You have to do certain things along the way to make yourself feel like, okay, I can actually run 605 pace for a marathon. I actually believe I can do this. So I'm gonna roll with these people. But if you don't believe it, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's gonna be a lot harder sell. But by not having a watch and going off with a group and getting into a pack and rolling with a pack, it's a very different experience. I tell people all the time, it's like a great group long run, where you're having conversation and people kid around me all the time. Like, you know what? You can talk in a marathon at your marathon pace. I don't care if it's six minute pace or 505 pace or 427 pace, it just has to do with the runner and it has to do with what aerobic capacity is and it's marathon pace. Sure, it's crazy, including Kipchoge, but the facts are, if it's marathon pace, you can absolutely talk. Now, can you have a full-blown crazy conversation? Probably not, but you can absolutely chat and you can talk to the people around you. And when you can get into that kind of flow state and feel miles are clicking by, huge chunks of the race are clicking by, and you know what? You're not worrying about, you're not looking at your watch. You're not worrying about your heart rate. You're not worried about your stride power data. You're not worried about anything. You're worried about, wow, We're already through the half, and guess what? If you can, the further you can get yourself into that point in the race where your mind is out of the picture and it's shut off, and you're just running because that's what you are—you're running in the field, right? That's your vision, right? It's not my vision, but that's what you got to do. That's what you have to do to be successful in the marathon. You got to trust your coach, which is your husband. You got to coach, trust Zach, even though your workouts you couldn't really do. The optimal workouts that he would want to write for you if he was doing it for himself or he was writing a plan for me or for you. Like we have to adapt. And I think it's just a great way to segue into where we are right now. We can't, we're, the marathon will never, has written it so beautifully, the marathon owes us nothing. The marathon's never going to give us perfect conditions. It's never going to give us the wind at our back where they talked about having a tailwind in Boston that year. We're supposed to have a 35 mile an hour tailwind. Um, last time I checked, ah, no, the wind was in our face for 35 miles an hour and it blew harder. And me, like an idiot, I'm running through all the puddles because I thought I was an eight year old kid again. And I thought I'd make the race fun. Well, (laughs) that worked out really well until my toes got numb and I couldn't feel my feet. And, you know, I got hypothermia, but you know, the point is the marathon is always going to throw us curveballs. Always, fueling isn't going to go down. Some, your bottles aren't going to be on the table. Some of us don't have these problems. I mean, you, you're, God bless you have the elite bottle stations. But you know, if we're trying to take our Morton gels or our gooze or whatever it is, something's always going to go wrong. Or even if you run the perfect race in Chicago, the last 5K, it was windy as hell out there. That last 5K, I know, because trust me. I remember like going, okay, turn off the wind blower machine, because this is ridiculous. I mean, I mean, I know a windy day, and I know if that's where you ran your 243, man, that's major props because it was windy that last 5k. That's that's gotta be a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Uh, I, if
0: you thank you, thank you. I'm just it's I'm generous. I'm, your- <laughs> I'm giving it to
1: you. Zach doesn't have to say he's giving it to you, but I'm giving it to you because I was out there. I was out there.
0: So that was that was one of your one of your star races.
1: Yeah. I did all the majors last year. So that was, uh, and you know, it's funny because, um, I don't know, we, you're never satisfied. No runner that's ever put a pair of shoes on in his life is ever satisfied. I don't care if you're eight years old in grade school, maybe you're satisfied when you're running across the schoolyard, if you beat everybody, but that's about the end of your satisfaction because the next time you run and somebody beats you, then it's like, we always want to get better. We always want to go faster. We always want to challenge ourselves or then go to the next distance and all of those things. It's the way we're wired. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember thinking, like, ah, I, maybe I could have run a little faster. or Maybe I could have averaged a little better. You know what? I'm pretty proud of it. And there's only seven people in the world did it. But who knew at that point what was going to happen? I mean, that's why we all take so many things for granted in our lives. We take so many things for granted that now we're all being forced to take a real hardcore look at and yeah. look at look at the state of like where we are and just if people would just. Go back to why we all started running at some point when you were a kid and Zach, you were playing soccer. I was a baseball player and I played football and I wrestled. And running was usually a punishment, but usually that punishment got me something good. Like if I was first in a run in college when I played Division One baseball, they gave us a run course which is about three miles, which is hilarious because we had no reason to run three miles. But the coach would tell us to go run into the mountains and come back. Whoever got back first got the most amount of batting practice time. I just, yeah. I never ran track, cross country, anything until my mid thirties in my life. And I just would take off as hard as I could. So you're talking about your thousand meter races, taking it out. I was just like, if I go as hard as I can, there's no way they won't go. They won't go. They won't go with me. Cause these guys are way bigger than me. They're huge mumbo. And I would just take off. And then I get out there like a mile and a half and I'd look back and it was like, no one back there. I'm like, Phew. thank God my heart be like beating out of my chest. Like <laughs> yeah. I can't do this anymore, but I get back and I get extra batting practice. So but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. We got to take mm-hmm. stock as runners. It's not going to be any races for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But find the silver lining, work on a weakness. You have some great suggestions in your thing, uh, your recent pod and your recent blog. I mean, find something. And particularly, although it's interesting because I want to talk about this with both of you, as an injured runner, it's probably the worst time ever. Because if you think about it, when we get injured we're going to a PT, we're going to a sports chiro is doing ART. Maybe we're going to acupuncture. Um, maybe we have an amazing deep tissue massage therapist, which I have, which, who does cupping. Well, we, no, one's going to get worked on right now. Nobody's going to be touching you not in COVID-19 time. So you're injured right now, Zach. I am. Oh, talk to us. What do we got? What are we, what are we battling well,
2: through? Yeah. Figure this one, Ron. I, I hurt myself running on a treadmill. Um, essentially. (laughs) So I, I have, I have a, my sacrum is, is probably a little bit twisted is, is how I can self-diagnose it at the time. Um, talking with our PT over the phone, he thinks the same is true, but you know, I haven't seen him. Um, yeah. And, and so I, you know, I went on a treadmill run because I couldn't do my run outside that at that point. Um, and, you know, the treadmill's a huge blessing during this time, uh, but it turned out to be a curse for me in that moment because I was trying to do something on it on the treadmill that I shouldn't have. I was basically just trying to run too fast. Um, and so, you know, the, with uh, with an injury like this one, it feels pretty much fine all the time until I do something that hurts it. And so one of the days I went out for a run and I, you know, I did an out and back and I got about 40 minutes out and then I was done. Like oh, it, it was hurting so bad. And so I, I started walking back and I'm like, I you know, I'm I'm like six or seven miles from home at that time. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to walk six miles. So I ended up jogging all the way back home. And by the time I got back, it was so bad that I couldn't even stand without it hurting. Um, yeah. So I probably buried myself in a hole because of that.
1: Now, you don't, you don't think there's, you have a stress fracture, right? Because a lot of people- I hope not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously, there's no way to know until you get, you know, some imaging done, but- it's a, that's a tough one. And, and, you know, obviously the amount of weight and torque we put on ourselves, good God. I mean, and then once something gets out of alignment, when we can't go to a sports Cairo, when we can't get on a table, when we can't have like my sports chiropractor, if you guys, you, when you come to New York city, Andy, um, so it's Duke sports Cairo, they work on Meb, they work on Shalane Flanagan, Des, they work on every elite runner that's ever worked on. They were down in Atlanta. They were down there working on all the runners in Atlanta. They set up tables, um, they're my personal friends and anybody who comes through town, I'm like, yeah, go over there, check them out. Cause you know, if you're coming in town for a big race, what what's better than to get on the table and get a little tune up? And he 30 seconds I'm on that table, he's like, Yeah, your left hips like one degree out of alignment. I'm like, sounds good to me. Like I just I don't need to know. Like, if you tell me, I'm yeah. like, okay, sounds good. Okay, well now I feel so much better. Like, I think sometimes mentally, if we tell ourselves that we're better, that helps too. But when your sacrum is blown, yeah, that's different. And then having to run the six miles home. Yeah, I mean, these are these are tricky times. The other day when I finished a run in the city, I ran through Times Square. It's one of my, I don't know, two or three posts back on Instagram. I ran through Times Square. There is no one in any photographs. I ran down 42nd Street, down the middle of the street. There is simply no one. There are no cars. There are no wow. humans. It looks like an outtake of a movie. And I got back to my ferry. I live four minutes across. So you're talking about when you come to town, the Javits Center is where the car stuff is. Um, so I get... Dropped off right where the Javits Center is, and I live directly across the river. I lived in New York for a long, New York City for a long time. Now I'm in New Jersey on the water, and the ferries are just like anything else. There's no regular schedules anymore. Like offices are all closed. There's no offices open. I mean, yep. Central Park is like they're setting up temporary hospital beds in 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 the East Meadow. I mean, it's it's crazy right now. So I'm trying to. I finish up a long run, and I'm thinking I'm done. And I take the ferry. I go to the ferry. The guy's like, "Yeah, this ferry's not running. You got to go to this other place." And I'm like. Well, that's like five miles from my house. So I took the ferry back and I ran another five miles, but my sacred wasn't bothering me. So it's was like
2: yeah. extra
1: wow. miles for me. And, you know, like I thought my work was done, but then it wasn't, you know, cause I'm not getting in an Uber car right now. Sorry. Oh. I mean, yeah. Oh. I mean, you know, the whole spacing thing, like, yeah. Now, And how has that been in your area? How has that been affecting you guys with COVID-19 and all?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the same as obviously nowhere's the same as New York right now, but, um, you know, we're in, we're in West Michigan, which is mostly kind of, um, woods and suburban with some rural. And then just, you know, like Grand Rapids is a city, but it's, you know, not on the same kind of scale and it hasn't really erupted around here yet. So, thank God, you know, the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but the, you know, the curiosity about it is that, um, Like it's, you know, people don't necessarily think it's real in that sense. Like you mentioned, um, you know, like we just, uh, the strangers who are getting it, um, don't necessarily mean a lot to us personally. Like we don't connect it to something personally in a lot of ways. And then when we see the celebrity get it, then maybe it's like a little more real, but it's not until you, like you have, you know, I was on, I was on a call with a teacher. I, I work with teachers in education, um, supporting teachers in a lot of different ways. And I was on a call with a teacher recently who said, yeah, I think, I think, my entire family has it right now. And they're like um, Northern Michigan, you know, just kind of in the middle of the woods somewhere. And he's like, I have no idea how we got it, but we all have all the symptoms. I called my doctor and he's like, don't go anywhere because if, you know, if it's not bad, then there's nothing anyone's going to do. And so i like hear him say that. And I'm like, wow, yeah, like people have it. You know, it's, it just makes it a little bit more real in that sense. So kind of around us, we feel like we're still in a bubble in a sense. Like it's, it's kind of a weird inter period time here, but, uh, you know, people are starting to take it more seriously and, you know, the stores are pretty much empty.
0: And personally, Zach's been able to work from home where all of my shows were canceled. I work live events, auto shows. So yeah, all my work is canceled until we have, we have shows again.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rough impact. I don't care what business you're in. Uh, my son's graduating this year from college and my heart breaks for him because there's, Almost a hundred percent certainty there'll be no graduation. Uh, he's a music Chinese major, and he's written original music that he's composed for, you know, trios and um, you know different orchestral music, and you know, like that's part of his his grade. You know, for his like thesis, and you know, it, it's not about his grade. He'll he's he's an exceptionally talented student but it's about the chance to have that music performed and he put all that work into right. it and it's gone. Right. And you know, thankfully he's like super connected in the community. He's music director, plays the organ at a church that's like an hour from the school and they're like we're not giving your son back. We're keeping him. Um there's only been three organists in this in this church for like the last like 80 years and we're going to keep him. Wow. And I'm like, "Okay. Uh, all right. But it, he's He can't come home anyway. And he's up in Vermont and the same you're describing Mm. in Michigan. There's just so many fewer cases up there and class is virtual and it's just better. You know, I miss him. And my mom has lymphoma, so her immune system is compromised and she's with my younger brother. So I'm not as much as I want to see her. We're doing Zoom just like we're doing right right now because you can't... And, and the, the social aspect of running, which is, um, it's just what I live for. It's like getting groups together. I don't, you know, hard runs are our group runs. That's normal. You know, you do a tempo run or you do a long run with pace or, or we do track workouts at the armory indoors in the winter, or we go to outdoor track. So that element is always there all year. No matter what you're training for, if you want a hard track workout, it's always there for you. If you want to do a hard tempo run, it's always there for you. So if you guys come to New York City, yeah. I got you hooked up. There we go. Jump in and hammer with some crazy fast people, and <laughs> fast like both of you. Um, not like me. I'm slow. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's all good. But we'll, um, you know, tough times. But uh, we'll mm. all, we'll all make it through. But we gotta we gotta just keep keep grinding, man. That's the deal. Yeah. So I tell people every day, stay in the fight. That's my Goggins hashtag. Stay in the fight. The sun is right behind me. You guys, I don't know if you can see it over there on the shelf, but. Um, one of my running friends, it's funny, just running people are just so amazing. This is a guy I've never met in my life. Um, you know, just started following me on Strava and Instagram and Facebook and he made that sign for me because he saw, like, that That was my mantra. And the funny thing is I didn't even know David Goggins. Like, I had no idea that he was involved with that mantra and I think the Washington Nationals when they won the World Series this year, their fans, that became their whole rally cry, like stay in the fight because yeah, they were right. behind in all these right. games and they won. So I had no idea. Like, in my mind, I thought I invented it. The <laughs> mantra. I'm like, I invented stay in the fight. It was me. It was me. It's Ron. I did it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I have no idea, but somewhere out there in one of those marathons, I did. I was just like, you know what? Come on, man. Stay in the you gotta stay in there, man. Stay in the fight. Hang in there. You gotta hang in there. You gotta battle. Because mantras, you know, with all the talk we have about training and Writing a good plan. And, you know, we talked about Greg McMillaner, who coached me when he was getting his PhD as a college kid, back when faxing, he used to fax me the forms. I can't wait to get Greg on my show. But I mean, literally, he was peak running performance. He was the managing editor of the running newsletter, and he used to fax me my training plans. And he'd write through these Excel files. I mean, Zach, you seem to be the real technical junkie, but you would die if I showed you because it was it was the precursor to the Macmillan calculator, which everybody oh, yeah. uses today. So it was just this massive Excel table where you could put in a 10K time, a 5K, and it basically was mapped out all of what you could do. And he he really started to understand from all the data that poured in from there that, you know, there's endurance monsters, which is, quote unquote, the distance people like me. Um, And then there's, uh, what does he call them? speed Speedsters are the faster milers and shorter and middle distance track runners. And I don't know, combo hybrid or whatever is ones that are kind of good at both, which we know is much more rare than one of those other two. But yeah, Greg and I go all the way back. That's how that's how long we go back. But uh he's awesome. <laughs> he's good people, man. Good people. You have you guys had him on the show?
2: You know we haven't, but uh he's he's definitely one that would be great to yeah, get on here. Yeah. You
1: got to have you got to have him. I got to have him on too. So, yeah. yeah. So, if Tra- you're
0: listening, Greg, come on. We'll get him on. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll,
1: ta- I'll we'll tag him in the show notes too. Everybody's getting tagged. Everybody. There you
2: go. It's going to be a Everybody. good one. <laughs>
1: So, um, with the current situation, you know, what, uh, I know you're also coach, you guys coach a lot of athletes. How many, how many athletes are you guys currently coaching
2: roughly? Um, yeah, we're working with about a dozen in total. Um, we, depending on how an athlete wants to be supported, we have different kind of degrees of support. So some of the ones we're working with, it's just kind of a, a casual dynamic and others were more directly like their, their coach in, mm-hmm. in entirety.
0: Yeah, like some of some of them need a plan. So we have a we, we talk to them and we create a plan that's specific for them and they don't really want any ongoing support. Um, and then others, they want the ongoing conversation and the adaptations and, you know, moving through it together.
1: hmm. Ed you guys do organize workouts together? I've seen some of your running stuff. I've seen the boys have some of the sweatsuits on and stuff, which is great by the way. I just love it. And see if you can see in the now since we're on, this is a run oh, yeah, chat. So Ron runs M I C. So oh, you te- cool. tell me your favorite colors and I'll not only send them for both of you, but for the boys also. I have oh, I please. have these made up, so I'll send send some off in the mail. Um. Although I hope it's safe to send something in the mail these days. God knows. Yeah, who knows right now? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, we'll leave it outside for thirty-four yeah. hours or so. Yeah. I think that's, that's
1: what they're saying, right now. Are yeah. you in Michigan? Are you guys anywhere near Des?
2: No. Well, so she's she's like five hours north of us. Oh wow, um, she's really far. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time, that's where she lives. But she also kind of has a couple of places she spends some time when she's working with certain people too. So she was Got
0: at it. my fa- first marathon cheering. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh! Because yeah, I, sure. I was gonna say,
1: I was gonna say, Des is a huge favorite. So Des and Meb signed my the monsoon season marathon jersey, um, and they're the last two American winners. So that jersey right. will always be like epic. But I was That's thinking, I told you I'm coming to Michigan anyway. I'll come out there for that race if it doesn't get canceled. But. We'll have to stalk Dez and track her down. We'll just yeah. like I'll just, just I'll just literally write her some crazy message because she's just out there. You got it. how can you not love her? She is just, she's amazing. How could anybody not love Dez? She mean,
0: wins at Twitter. like if there was a winner of Twitter, she would be the winner, right?
1: It's like and it's not even close. It's just a straight up <laughs> win. Yeah. It was like, you know, like uh, Eminem and, you know, like the rap battle, like it's over. It's like a TKO in the first (laughs) round. She always wins, you know, and it's whether it's a presser or, you know, the day after the race and, you know, she's shivering and doing the interview. She just, you you can't not love Des. It's just not possible. It's not possible. You got to root for her and you have to love her. And, you know, I think it's one of another one of those things like uh, perspective. I think we talked about it before we came on live Like, people always want to tell you what's politically correct. Like, oh, I'm glad the Olympics are canceled because it's the right thing. You know what? Okay, I get it. That's not what you really feel. Who are you kidding? (laughs) You train your you-know-what off. You're in the best shape of your life. And I get it. But, you know, you can be honest, too. You can be a little more like Des and saying, you know what? Yeah, I get why they're canceling it, but I was ready to roll and I'm crushed. You know, like, put it out there. You know, like, you know, say it. I mean, that's the way Des is. Des is like, lets it rip. And that's why I think people just like love her because she'll tell you. She'll tell you what she's thinking and she'll share, you know, with the whole whiskey bourbon thing and the whole t-shirt and, you know. <laughs> she's, I mean,
2: she's always funny about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know it myself, so I don't drink either one of those, but, you know, I'm like, okay, whiskey, bourbon, Larry, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, she's she's one Twitter. She's one it all. But we'll just show up, you know, we'll just show up at her house, be like, Des, Ryan, yeah, what's good. going on? Yep. Hey, Ron runs NYC. A to Z running. What's up? We're gonna do a little pod. Hey, look, Coco's come over to say hi. Can you guys hear? Can you see? Hey, Coco. I, I tilt it down a little but then i'll probably just blow up the mic Coco. Yeah. <laughs> she's been Hi, Coco. such a good girl yeah what she has forgot she's even there he's such a good girl she's like wow. bummed out she's like wait what is he doing all night he's like sitting there looking at these screens and all this <laughs> right. stuff who is he talking Pay to, attention to me. yeah i know who's he ta- well the funny thing is um because this is a small one-bedroom apartment but i usually go into my bathroom when I do the intros and cause my shows are live. This is, this is the first remote podcast I've done. So this is, right. you know, forced, you know, I told you I'd come to Michigan and hang with you guys, but that obviously isn't happening now. Yeah. Nobody's going anywhere. I mean, you look at these planes and they're empty. I go in my bathroom and I lock the door cause she can't come in there. And if, <laughs> we have a lot of dogs in our building. So they, they hear her, she hears them, they start barking. i was like, okay, here we go. It's like a scene at yeah. a moonstruck when the old guy's walking with the moon and you know, and they start howling like, no, we don't need this. We're on a podcast right now. We need the on air sign, right? Where's the on air sign when you need it? Quiet on the set. We're recording right now. Come on. A little respect. There's something to
2: that. You could do a Pavlov experiment with it. When you turn on the on air sign, they go put a treat in the corner somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Do that over and over a few times?
1: Trust me, Coco has not missed out on treats. This dog has been, you know, and then every meal I eat, she just like sits there at my feet and just like gives me the look. And it's like, all right, I crack eventually, you You know, it's going to happen, you know, and eventually she's going to get a percentage of what I'm eating, you know, whether it's the crust from the pizza or whatever, you know, she knows. She's we haven't veteran.
0: missed out on treats either during yeah. these days. We've been well, eating lots of treats. Well, it's well, so, that's
2: not any different now than it's ever been for that's us. True. Yeah. We, just we just eat, eat treats a lot of-
1: all the time. <laughs> well, it's it's so funny that you said that cuz um my group, the, my last pod was Casey Kilaroski and um she ended up having a stress fracture. She ran in Atlanta on a stress fracture. She didn't know at the time she had um and she went deep into the race. I mean, she made it. I think she went 21 or 22. I mean, I, it's such a gritty performance but I actually know quite a few people from you know my own running experience that had to drop. It was it was a rough day. It was a rough day out there period. And yeah. um you know talking about mileage you're talking about Andy only being able to run like 60 65. I think it's a blessing because most of the women I know were literally running as much as most of the elite men were or trying to get to those numbers because they want this is their opportunity. They want to perform. I'm Last thing I'm going to do is judge that. I would do the same thing myself. But a lot of the women were into the triple digits and over that are, you know, running the trials. They're not Des. Um, you know, they're not Sarah Hall. That's big mileage. And a lot of them have full-time jobs or they're a mom. Like you guys have two, two young kids. And, you know, uh, my friend Kate, who ran 238 in Boston, she was one place behind Sarah Hall. You know, she homeschools her two kids and she's running crazy mileage. And people are like, she doesn't work. I'm like, she doesn't work? She's huh. homeschooling her two kids. Yeah. Now ask somebody what homeschooling is like. Now ask them more after, after COVID-19. Because yeah. I said to her the other day, I said, oh yeah, people are going to look at you a lot different now. Yeah. Because yeah. those are some of my favorite posts where people are like, "Um, can the teachers come back and start teaching my kids, kids again? <laughs> yeah. And you and now yours are young enough so that you're kind of are you are they even in preschool yet or no right not, not yet, yet no, right yeah, no
2: school yet yep. so
1: now it's just run around like wild Indians try to exhaust them and do what you can right
0: oh yeah yeah yep be craft <laughs> keep them safe
1: yeah play games <laughs> run around like wild Indians I'm good at that you know oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. you guys you know when I'm in town I'm I can babysit you know <laughs> awesome. of course I'll give them all things they're not supposed to have and you know. <laughs> Well, like, no. I've been known to corrupt kids. Ask Casey. <laughs> ask Casey. She'll tell you. So now I'm like, now I'm Uncle Ronnie, which is what I we call that. my son. My son is Ron Jr., but we've never called him Junior. It's always been Ronnie. So they're like, you're Uncle Ronnie. I'm like, how am I Ronnie? I'm like, okay. okay. Maybe one of the nuns called me that in Catholic school. But it was usually <laughs> like first name and middle name because that meant you were in trouble mm-hmm. type of situation. So we covered a lot. Um I never ever leave the show without giving you know in this case, we have two guests, so you're both on what is like top of mind something you that's really you're putting some thought into about you know whatever current state, looking out down the road, you know anything that's important to you that you want to talk about? I'll start with you, Andy, then I'll go to you, Zach, and then we'll we'll wrap
0: it up as far as something that's relevant now. I feel like I'm taking on this whole time here, like, as my marathon. And I know that people use Ryan Hall's quote a lot, but run the mile you're in. And I'm trying to take advantage of this mile to put myself ahead when I come out of this. So I guess my, my focus is to embrace these steps, like the ones I'm taking right now. And they matter, like not only for my sanity in the moment, <laughs> but also for down the road.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a that's a wonderful viewpoint, and couldn't be more apt for what we're all facing right now.
2: So my my comment is uh, more granular and less relatable, but um, I, I've been talking with a brother-in-law of mine who um, he works in at, at a children's hospital somewhere um, in Cincinnati. But uh, so from his medical mind perspective. And just my experiences in running, we've been trying to sort out the principle of stroke volume and how it impacts cardiac output. Oh, I love this. this, Of course, this is where I'm going to go. So we've been at first just trying to find some research. And apparently there's not a lot of research on the connection between stroke volume, cardiac output and um, performance. And so that being the case, I'm starting to conduct some mini studies just on my own on myself. Um basically trying to figure out, can you improve your stroke volume by doing certain things? And so we know that in, in terms of cardiac output, um, certainly it, by efficiency matters, right? Um, and stroke volume could be a big piece of that because if, if I could get fewer heartbeats, but get the same amount of blood flowing with those fewer heartbeats, um, but, without necessarily just doing aerobic training. So I know aerobic training does that. But are there more things I can do so I don't have to put more miles on my legs. So I'm experimenting with things like training masks and stuff to try to restrict um, you know breathing flow and some of those kinds of things, and, you know, trying to find out if there's if there's anything that I can connect the dots with it? and'll I'll let people know if I do.
1: i I am so all in on that. Can I be included in the research because, You're not going to, you're not going to, I mean, I'm 59 as a runner. And although I don't have the years like Andy running for that many years, I've run so many miles. And, uh, one of the principles I took to really early, especially I had a nine year gap when I was just coaching all Ronnie's teams and. Uh, elite travel baseball and all-star baseball. And he was performing piano recitals all over and, you know, just was not going to run races and be competitive in races. I was running through all those periods of time, but I was not competitive racing at all, not even in a 5k. So I had a nine year gap where I didn't race at all, but I was still able to run to keep my health and my fitness together. Um, but the, the mafia tone running, I mean, I started following him a long time ago when he was training Mark Allen back in Mark Allen's great Ironman days when he had the iron wars with Dave Scott. And I have to say that, I mean, my resting heart rate is still 36 today. I'm 59 years old and the the heart rates, if you guys follow me on Strava and I wear a polar chest strap on every run. So I don't want to wear a polar chest strap, but I will not trust. And I've, been using Polar products forever. I have a Polar Vantage V, which is the best watch they have. Risk-based heart rate is absolutely a joke. If anybody tells you that it's accurate or you can believe it, then they're a fool. Um, (laughs) So just if you don't care what your heart rate is on your runs, that's fine. But if you are trying to pay attention to this kind of data and what it could mean, it's people just don't believe me when I show them that I've actually done runs where my heart rate was 105 average for a run that was not that horrific a pace. Now it wasn't a good pace, wasn't a marathon, but I mean I've I've raced marathons at you know like 132 and you nice. know run like 307, 308 and I'm, and I'm 59. So um it's it's incredibly important. And it's yes. something people pay very little attention to because stroke volume, what people don't understand is it's just like when the muscle of that heart gets so powerful, that left ventricle has so much power in that muscle that it can just pump out with that much force that when you're walking up the stairs or you're running a 12% grade, your heart, it just has the ability to push that volume out and just do so much more for you than somebody else. So I just think it is something that's super, super cool. And yeah. I need to I need to be included as a research subject. So <laughs> I'll fly out to Cincinnati or anywhere else we need to go. Or you guys can come to New York. I mean, come on, we got all the cool hospitals over here. Although right now you don't <laughs> want to come here. Stay well, away right know. now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we'll we don't need to go to the hospitals there. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no.
1: We don't wanna. And me, and I mean, and I personally and I think just as a PSA, because I just think it would be awful not to do it. Um, this is, I mean, given the mayor by one of my closest running friends, Greg Mack and a good buddy of mine. We've logged a lot of miles together of the mayor of Central Park. And it's a name that I just got such a kick out of and I've loved it. And I wear it with pride because runners from like all around the globe, like, I mean, Gerda Stein, who's, you know, run New York and placed top 15 and run sub 230 and won comrades and set the record and also won the Two Oceans Marathon. I mean, these are like elite runners will come to New York and be like, oh, I'll reach out to Ron. That guy knows I'll meet him in Central Park for a run. So- What a gift, what a blessing to be at my age that people would wanna hang out and go for a run with me or have them show them around the park or even on my side of the river, which has the better views of New York City anyway. And like what a blessing that is. But I have eliminated myself from all of those runs. I don't run socially with any of my friends right now and I don't want any of them to do it either. Even though they're, if they're still living in the city, I'm not, I'm across the river now. I could go there anytime I want. I can take a ferry, it's a four minute ride across. I'm not running with any of them. It hurts me every single day not to see their faces. It hurts me every single moment not to see their smiles and know how good it would make me feel to see them. But I also know that my mom has lymphoma and friends have asthma and other friends have cancer and other people that we don't even know that we're walking across on the street have a compromised immune system and we all have to do our part. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we all have to suck it up and dig deep for, it's probably gonna be a couple months longer, but. The lights at the end of the tunnel we'll all get back to doing what we love the most and doing some races and, and I'll come out to Michigan and we'll roll out for that. What is it? The 25 K or something. I remember That's you the were one, telling yeah.
0: Andy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was moved to October.
1: Oh, even better mm-hmm. still. End of October, so it's good. Mm-hmm. Well, it might I might have an opening there. We'll see if these majors take place or not. That's there's right. five there's five majors in 48 days at the end of the year. So right yeah. now, I'm actually signed up for all five of them. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I can oh, wow, we we'll see, yeah. see if I can pull that off. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it would just be one of those super like last year doing all six was cool, but you know, that might be something, you know, you never get to do again. Well, I know you won't because they're never <laughs> going to have them sca- Hopefully you don't have to. Ever yeah, I mean exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I just want to say how much fun I had meeting both of you for the very first time in person, Uh, how much I've enjoyed listening to your show today and reading your blog and all the stuff. There's so much good information in there. So all of my people, you got to get to know A to Z, Andy and Zach, hit up their blog, sign up, get their newsletter, check out their pods and um, just been a blast. And thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And it's been a blast talking to you both. And um sorry, Coco didn't get to chat with you that much. But <laughs> thankfully, she was a good girl tonight and stayed quiet, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Ron. Thanks, we really Ron.
0: appreciate it. It's been great getting to know you, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: a to z running what we're what we're all about is we we started it because we enjoy the running community so much yeah. ourselves, and we wanted to be able to help. Expand that further in whatever ways we can. And you're so,
0: obviously doing that, yeah. so, <laughs>
2: so <yeah. laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, this that's is
0: amazing. Awesome. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's
1: really obvious. Um, go to your go to your website. You know, looking at pictures and seeing information and articles is one thing, but listening to your pod, you know, to me the voices, the talk track, um, the conversations. It doesn't take long to get a feel for people that really love what this is. And I tell people all the time. Do it for the love of the game. I say that's mm-hmm. it. You run for the love of the game. That's it. You don't need anything. Just lace them up, man. Put your shoes on and take a breath of fresh air and pretend you're running in that trail like when you were a little girl. Because <laughs> I don't have that vision of when I was a little boy or a girl. Because I didn't, you know, I ran around because my older brother was twice my size, and if they caught me in football, I was gonna get killed. Yeah. So, and my I came home bloody. My mom would be like, uh, "You know where the band aids are?" Like I'd be <laughs> like, "Huh." Am I okay? She's like, you're fine. Like, if you, if your brother's too big for you, and you know you don't want to play with him, like play with your own friends. Like, I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess that's how it's gonna be. Yeah. So this is how we learn, right? Mm-hmm. And you got two boys, so hopefully they'll get along really well together. <laughs> they can like look after each other and you know fend for each other and and uh, help each other out. Right on. Yeah. So anyway, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, and um, I always close out the the show by saying, always remember to stay in the fight. So peace fight. out, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Wow, that was such a fun convo with Andy and Zach. I really enjoyed getting to know them better in our two podcast recordings together. Can't you just sense and feel their passion and love and energy for the sport? I mean, it just comes through. And who doesn't want to work with two young Olympic trials qualifying runners? If you're looking for a coach and you need somebody to write workouts for you, build a plan, how are you not hopping over to A to Z running and getting signed up for all of their services? Dial them up for their blog, listen to their past podcast episodes. They've got some great people on the show and very topical contents to follow There's never been a better time to assess your running. We're all on lockdown with COVID-19. Do a deep dive. Do an assessment. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you want to tackle? It's a perfect opportunity. And use their blog and the information there to figure out what gaps you can close, particularly if it comes to coaching services. And how much fun is it going to be to follow their respective running journeys moving forward? They're so young and they've run crazy fast times, and they're both have run in the Olympic trials. So it's exciting stuff. And I, for one, am excited to follow their journey. I know Zach thinks he's not running New York City this year, but we'll see if we can talk him into it. Andy definitely, I think he'd be convinced, but we do know Zach is injured right now. So it's probably best if we don't try to push his buttons on that one. I am hoping to get a chance to come out. There's a 25K they've got out there in Michigan in October. It's probably going to be too close together with the dates of the majors if, in fact, these things actually happen. But at some point, I really do look forward to meeting them in person and getting to know them a little bit better. And for anybody listening, uh, please get over to their page, get hooked up, and involve yourself with them and just uh, make a connection for sure. Follow them on Instagram, all those good places. I'll I'll have it all tagged up in the show notes. Andy has an Instagram account personally. They have A to Z running as well. Um, They're also on Twitter. I think Zach is only on Twitter, but I'll make sure that I check all of that stuff and post it up in the show notes for you so you know where to follow them and reach out to them. And I just want to say if any people listening today are excited to move moved by the episode. If you could take a moment to write a post uh, either on Instagram or Facebook or on Instagram stories, share the episode from Apple iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast groove on. It really helps our shows, um, A to Z Running Podcast and Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. It really helps us get new followers, new listeners, and who wouldn't want to share an inspiring story? Uh, like A to Z that they have going on, Andy and Andy and Zach. So if you can, it's greatly appreciated. And I know we've been off the air for a while, so I apologize, but with all those race cancellations and my format of trying to do these face-to-face, it really threw us a curveball. But now that we've got the remote recording session set up down with Zoom, I think we're gonna be back in business. And so for that, I'm eternally grateful for Zach and Andy for coming on to put us back in business on the content side. And we're gonna try really hard to keep that rolling for you all so you have stuff to do. Because I know in these crazy COVID stressful times with us all being cooped up and us all going stir crazy, there's never been a time that we need to lace them up more. We gotta get out the door if we can run outside. If not, we gotta run in a treadmill or run in our building hallways or on a rooftop or wherever we can. If not that, an exercise bike or some other method of burning some calories to relieve stress and anxiety because these are incredibly stressful and unprecedented times. So I'm praying and rooting for you all to keep safe, to stay healthy, and to keep moving through space and time. And I just want to say, peace out, everybody, and always remember to stay in the fight. Thank you all. God bless.